you have joined a group of people who look out at the world and say, I'm going to extend my brotherly love and affection to every human being, regardless of what they think like, regardless of what they vote like, which is charged in this, in this environment, regardless of what they look like, and regardless of what they pray like. Good day and welcome to Minnesota Masonic Histories and Mysteries, where we will explore the origins of all things Masonic in our great state and perhaps uncover and explore a few mysteries of our ancient craft along the way. Kevin. John, good morning. I'm welcome. John Schweitz. I uh, am the Director of Development or whatever Eric doesn't want to do for Minnesota Masonic Charities, and I'm joined with my lifelong pal, and uh, minor local celebrity. Kind of co-host, but really, co-host. I'm Ed McMahon. Let's be honest, you're Johnny Carson. Fantastic. Kevin Gorg from uh, Fox Sports North, Canterbury Park. And as I've mentioned, you might find him at a Culver's drive through somewhere. <laughs> we are launching our Minnesota Masonic Histories and Mysteries podcast with the very special guest, our Grandmaster, Ethan Seberg, most worshipful, welcome. Thank you, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate that. Well, I, you, you're thanking me now. We'll, we'll wait to see how that goes, John. We're going to withhold judgment until the end of this little adventure. Good. Um, you know, one of the things that we hope to do in this podcast is not only discuss some of the mysterious stuff that's associated with masonry, but more importantly, talk about some of the important things that masons do throughout the state of Minnesota as being a part of Minnesota Masonic Charities. Hopefully most of you are aware of the work that we do, and we're going to be visiting with folks from the Masonic Cancer Center, Masonic Children's Hospital, Masonic Scholars, as well as learning some things about our ancient craft that we might not know otherwise. So, Ethan, how's the last couple of years been for you? Well, there's an ancient curse, and I can't cite the, cite the source, but it's, may you live in interesting times. <laughs> And I think we've been certainly doing that. The first year we're referring to was uh, that you're referring to uh, was a, the death of our grandmaster just uh, seven days after his term started. And Stephen D. Johnson was as big a supporter of Minnesota Masonic Charities and Masonry in Minnesota as uh, as we've had. And so his loss was keenly felt. So we tried very hard to hold up his memory over the course of, of that year. And then we went on a bit of a pause in year two. Um, it's been wonderful to do administrative work, and who doesn't love that? We have got some of the best bylaws I have ever seen. Um, but the things that we rejoice in engaging in, uh, the fraternal aspects of the organization, the events, uh, they, they, they've been a little slow of late. Yeah, I, it's, you may not know this, but Steve Johnson and I were raised on the same night in the same lodge at McAllister Lodge. Obviously, our Masonic careers have diverged significantly. He became Grand Master, and I'm still shuffling papers. But uh, <laughs> Both beloved. Both beloved, right. Um, but yeah, Steve was a wonderful guy and uh, will be dearly missed, to say the least. And uh, I just can't tell you how grateful I have been that you've been our Grand Master for the last, 
uh, it would be uh, 103 weeks, really. It, it, uh, it's getting very close to two years, and this is unusual. We start talking about Masonic mysteries. Maybe this is more about uh, trivia. The two-year terms ended in uh, the 19th century. Uh, we moved in the Grand Lodge of Minnesota to, uh, to one year at a time. And so this was not a way we wanted to return uh, to two-year terms. But uh, it's been a while. I'm a newbie. Uh, so outside Recently, of the- just so everybody knows, Kevin, uh, Kevin and I have been friends for a very long time. And he's been witnessing me participating in these Masonic things in a... About a year ago, he said, "What is the what's the deal with this masonry?" Thing? Yeah, so I get questions too. Like I, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this podcast, I'm learning about the craft, but if if I was going to ask you what is masonry outside of the really cool secret handshake, I've never had one of those <laughs> in all my broadcasting years. What is it? Well, the elevator speech, which we try very hard to move away from, it's it's quite simply not an elevator group. You'll hear it's usually some version of it's a, a beautiful system of morality veiled in allegory and communicated by symbol. And doesn't that clear it up completely for you? Kind Those of. are some words that probably Kevin would have to look up in a day. I know I, I would. Listen to forecheck, backcheck, <laughs> penalty kill. That's just it. What masonry is, is a, an opportunity at its root for um, men who are of a similar mind, regardless of background, age, regardless of position, income, regardless of race or creed or anything else, men who have some of the same priorities get together and enjoy each other's company and do some good work. And that's really it at its core. And it's uh, certainly got some of the fun trappings that Masonic Mysteries would nod to. Um, And we are an old organization in our current form. We just celebrated our 300th anniversary in uh, in 2017, organized then. But at, at, at the root, it's, uh, it's a group of men who just enjoy each other's company. Now, Ethan, you're from Red Wing. Red Wing, Minnesota. Yep. And tell us a little bit about how, what compelled you to become a Mason in the first place. How, where, did, where did that all start? The 1956 edition of Life magazine. <laughs> Come uh, on. I wouldn't lie to you. A dear friend of mine, uh, Willie Root. Is, you, seriously? Uh, yeah, he and I have been working together for years. We both work for Goodyear County. He's our solid waste official, and he is a member of the lodge at that time. A uh, member of the Lodge in Cannon Falls. I was a member in Red Wing, too. But he was looking at the recycling stream, and out of the corner of his eye, he caught the 1956 cover of, of Life in June was a picture of all the grandmasters in North America on the steps of the United States Capitol. And they form a pyramid shape because they had a photographer who knew what he was doing or he or she was, was doing. And so Willie grabbed it, brought it back to the office, put it on his desk, and I said, what in the world is that? And he said, well, I'm a mason, and... And I think you'd make a good Mason. And, and these are the things that I enjoy doing, and, and we should talk about this. And so at Life Magazine, that was it, Life Magazine. So Willie? Willie Root. Willie Root. Is Willie still with us? Absolutely, yeah. He's, uh, in fact, just a, a few years older than I am and the world's biggest Iron Maiden fan. Oh, very oh, nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's, uh, 80s rock. He claims he's been on the airplane. Wow. No no way. I just, I wouldn't put it past him. And doesn't the lead singer, isn't he like the pilot yes, of that airplane? absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, welcome to Iron Maiden <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Tell us about your journey to become Grandmaster. Well, it started, uh, in, our, in this particular jurisdiction, we have a progressive line. We don't run for office. You're appointed to a line. In this case, it's eight years. It used to be longer. But what needs to happen is that current members of that progressive line travel the state. And they keep their eyes open for people that they would like to get involved in in statewide leadership. And a very nice uh, 
well, obviously, and I, I'm a little biased, but uh, <laughs> uh, David Olson and I were serving on a committee uh, in a nod to John's history, Boy Scout Council here in the state. And uh, David asked me to stay after a meeting and wondered if I didn't want to get involved in in the statewide progressive line. So it's, it's, it's funny that you bring up Dave Olson and his Boy Scout relationship. When I was with the Boy Scouts, Dave was just one of those guys that people are drawn to. He's just mm-hmm. a gregarious, wonderful guy, as nice as can be. And when I discovered that he was a Mason, I learned very early on that he was a, a member of the fraternity. I thought, it makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Yeah, it does. So he appointed you to the line. He did, yep. And then, then you start work. And, uh, and over the course of that period of time, your one single hope is not to screw it up. That's, so the pressure's on at that point. That's exactly right. Because you don't, first of all, you don't want to embarrass the person who appointed right. you. And, uh, and at the end, uh, you want to do right by the crap. And so that's, that's been it. And uh, then you appoint someone to the line? I had that, that privilege uh, last year uh, to do that. And Chuck Brust is uh, our junior grand steward. Uh, Rochester the, guy. Yep, new appointment to the line. And, of course, again, ridiculous bias. But I, I look forward to his service. It, it's fun to bring uh, a Ph.D. into the group. It's not often we get a doctor, somebody uh, who's not a medical doctor. He elevates all things, Chuck. And it's so PhD. Wow. Wow. Pretty impressive. Now, you get all walks of life. And that's just from, from meeting various people involved here over the last few months. Um, it doesn't matter. It sounds like, you know, there's a lot of different ways you go about it. But when you get here, all that's put aside. With that in mind, though, I had, had a chance to visit the museum we were taping a couple of trivia questions for a banquet down the road, and pretty impressive April some of the 9th, names. April 6 p.m. on Zoom. Thank you. You're welcome. Honestly, uh, some of the, the names of important people, it caught me off guard walking through that museum. Take us through some of that maybe caught, maybe, you know, back in the day when you were first uncovering this mystery of masonry that caught you by surprise. Well, so that I don't mess this up, I want to talk about George Washington. I want to talk <laughs> about... Um, uh, my lodge, and don't let me forget to mention uh, 1934. Um, but I also want to mention the Grand Lodge of Missouri too. So don't let me forget okay. uh, about that. But we, every Mason, I think, comes in because there's a picture in every lodge of George Washington, and uh, George Washington, probably the most famous American Mason, anyway. Uh, but you're absolutely right. That list just goes on and on and on. And um, uh, the last time the Magic Flute was in town, of course, the Grand Lodge took a group to hear Mozart's great opera because Mozart was a member of the craft. Wow. Um, and, and I'll forget more than I'm supposed to, uh, uh, supposed to remember, but those, those names certainly are out there. But that's why I didn't want to pass by Red Wing in 1934. Um, you talk about history. Well, kind of, it's the centerpiece of the universe. You know, I've been saying that for years. <laughs> um, the, uh, our annual return in 1934 included uh, 12 new Masons that joined. And uh, of those 12... Two were, were of, of note, at least locally. One, um, at the St. James Hotel, who I, where I, all, I hope you'll all consider uh, visiting, and I do not have a financial interest, uh, just a cheerleader for the town. Uh, but the Lillyblad family ran that for years, and Art joined the lodge in 1934, the next in the generation to do that. Right below him was William Christensen, who served just uh, 13 years later as one of the judges in the Nuremberg trial. And oh, so no kidding. Prominent attorney. Huh. But the point, and the point that, that you were making, is, and then there was a laborer, and then there was a store owner. Yep. And then there was, and that the whole point was to bring a whole bunch of people whose common interest 
really was a fellowship and, and good work into a space. And so it was working in 1934, as it is today. One of the things that has always drawn me to masonry, in fact, my grandpa, who was a, a carpenter, would talk about his friend Solly Robbins, who was one of the founders of the Robbins, Kaplan, Miller, and Cerisi law firm. So my grandpa, who's a union carpenter, was dear friends with this high-powered attorney from Minneapolis. And until the day my grandpa died, he always talked about how much joy his friendship was with him and this concept of meeting on the level, whether you're the CEO or the guy who cleans out his garbage can, we are brothers and we are people that really care for each other. Well, that's what drew, drew me to sports is the brotherhood. Like when you're, when you're in a locker room with a group of people, you all come from different walks of life. You all have different backgrounds, different family environments, but you have that, that common ground where you gather and you feel that. And I, I played high school hockey 30 plus years ago. I still bump into these folks and we're still friends. And it's like, you go back to that special time in your life. I look at what you guys do, and I, I watch, especially through John, when I've been over here, the camaraderie you have. And I think through the pandemic, you know, in, in times like that, there's some, I think, real extra value in having that connection because you go through ups and downs. We've all been sequestered. We've all been isolated for the most part. And sometimes your family drives you nuts when you're all working from home and you maybe need that outlet. I have to imagine in the last calendar year, it's been really good for people. You know, there's a story that Masons love to tell themselves. And really, when you talk about Freemasonry, uh, I, I bring up entirely too often that it's like a safety training program for right living, where you talk about maintain three-point contact on the ladder all the time, and they tell you it over and over and over again, and then finally it sticks. One of the stories we like to tell is of the guy, it's always the guy, who was with his family, you know, up on the porch of the front house. The mailman, new mailman, comes up, drops the mail off. He walks down to greet him. A couple of hours later, comes back. And his wife, who in the, why, how could you possibly have been stuck down there that long? Well, he's a brother. You've never met him before. Well, yeah, but he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> and, and that's a story that, that we, we love to tell. Those are the kinds of things yep. that build us, us up. And, and before we leave Harry, I didn't want to leave Harry Truman because that was the other one. John's pushing me back toward the, toward the microphone. I didn't want to forget about Harry Truman. Uh, we talked about that briefly before we started. We, meeting on the level and stories we tell ourselves. Harry Truman, when he was president of the United States, uh, was back home visiting Missouri, and he went to a lodge meeting. And he turned to the Secret Service agents who were following him toward the space, and he said, you don't need to follow me here. Left them out there because they weren't members of the fraternity. And while he was in the lodge, the Grand Lodge of Missouri loves to tell this story, he sat just on the sidelines as the sitting president of the United States because he wasn't an officer. He Come was on. just simply one of the brothers. And that's free. Yeah, that doesn't really... It's define yeah. what this is all about. I mean, come on, that's that's incredible. Yeah, we uh, we're big fans of uh, of Harry. I bet. And uh, I just I, I'd be remiss if I didn't you know me- mention I Kevin brought up his high school hockey career. Oh, come on, and it's just I feel that it's necessary. It's not. And it, it is all necessary. This, out. this is important. My friend Kevin peaked. Around 1985. Oh, that's true. March of 1985. I could tell you the exact day where I hit my peak, and it literally has been downhill every step of the way since. Now, I am a graduate of uh, Hill Murray High School. Kevin is a graduate of Burnsville. And about this time, it would have been 35, 36 36 years ago. 36 now. 
uh, Kevin was uh, the goaltender for the Burnsville Braves mm-hmm. while my pioneers were were battling. I am significantly younger than Kevin. I was only By a year. junior in high school <laughs> at the time. Um, but yes, Kevin, uh, it was a, it was a highlight. Kevin's a, Burnsville Braves beat the Hill Murray Pioneers. What was the score of that game? Four to three, John. You were there. I was you there. were at the Civic Center. Yeah, you were I in the student uh, section with all those Hill Murray cheerleaders. I know you were there. And your favorite part of the Hill Murray cheerleaders well, was? Watching back the, the VHS now, recordings of said match, at the end of the game, they had a lot of makeup on, and they were crying because we had won the hockey game, and they were very sad. Sure. It was good. Why do you have to bring this up? Just, I felt this it was necessary. This has nothing to do with Harry oh, S. Truman. I think it does. Okay. And here's how. Okay. <laughs> Ethan, you mentioned earlier that you're, uh, you're not the biggest athletic supporter. I use that line. Yeah. That's a great line. Right. <laughs> but you also have made some analogies about you know, the, 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 the teamwork that we have in our organization and how when we do our work in a lodge room, I mean – you really depend on your teammates to have a successful uh, opening, closing, and everything in between. Yeah, it's amazing. And I see where you're going now with the sports analogy. Yes, and it's absolutely the case. And one of the things is putting your hands, putting your responsibility or the success and the failure of the efforts that you're engaged in uh, in somebody else's hands, trusting that their interests are are your interests. Um, And one of the things that, and it's not unique to masonry, this notion of, some sort of you know, common training, common, in our case, it's degree work that you go through to get there. You've all gone through the same something, and now you're members of this organization. You feel uh, a connection that you wouldn't maybe otherwise. Maybe it's artificially drawn, but it works well. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in that lodge space doing exactly what it is you're talking about. There is one goal. It's the success of the lodge, the success of the brothers and their efforts. And it's wonderful to be part of a team like that. And it's the reason people keep coming back. There's no I. I mean, it's not, there's the cliche, but there is no I. Uh, it wouldn't be The lodges around the state, the, the jurisdictions around the country that are successful are successful because they, they put uh, the group first. The last year, as is very obvious, has been quite unusual to say the least. Have there been some highlights I assume that there's been plenty of challenges, but tell us about some of the, looking back, the things that will give you the most joy as you consider your role as Grandmaster. I've been telling a story, uh, and and for me it encapsulates the COVID year, so I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share it here. Um, There was a lodge about uh, six months ago or so struggling with finances, I mean, common in this time, and they were having to make some pretty important decisions about what to do with their lodge building standalone lodge without retail rental revenue. And so they made the difficult decision to increase their dues to uh, $300 a year, which is uh, remarkable in masonry. Later in the meeting, there was a vote happening. And uh, Mason's the the secret ballots that you hear about and all those things is certainly part of what we do. And as the, all members of a lodge are, are Required to vote, and one of the great privileges of being grandmaster is you are a member of every lodge in the state of Minnesota. So I, with great pride, because I knew the code, of course, was walking up to the ballot box to vote and was sharing with the lodge that I had to vote, even though I was not a member of that lodge necessarily. I was ex officio uh, a member, 
And so as I went to drop uh, the ball in, in the ballot, some wonderful old past master yelled from the side of the, the room, if, hey, if he's a member of the lodge, why don't you send him one of those $300 tools? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, what that, the, the reason I bring that story up is it's the common struggle over a year to, to bring people in, the common struggle to, to fund what we do without our normal fundraisers. Uh, but it's the humor that never left <laughs> and uh, the joy that comes in just being uh, together. And that's yeah, why that, that is the brotherly love that that's we hear so much about. Oh, that's what you want, right? You got to have a good laugh. If you're looking then. for brotherly love, you'll find it in Red Wing Lodge and every lodge in between. Hmm. We're full of it. Yeah. So you've got a uh, couple of weeks left. Yes. Yeah. The term ends uh, here shortly. My one goal now is to make sure that uh, my successor is elected. Uh, and we're having some challenges, of course. Uh, it's the the first. Uh, no challenges getting Rolf elected. No, no. The challenge is uh, is, is is technological. We're not able to have. Uh, usually, we have about four or five hundred attendees. Uh, we're kind of stuck about a hundred. So we're meeting in remote locations around the state, trying to get everybody in on Zoom calls and keeping those private and live and audio and video and things going out. So those are really the the challenges now but you know the one of the hallmarks of good leadership is making sure you've got somebody you know to, to follow you and i'm incredibly lucky to have uh, rolf uh, Woodstrand in that regard absolutely i have to acknowledge the efforts of keith ryerson your grand secretary i don't think we could have had a better person in that role during these times not only is he just a great guy in fact kevin and i golfed with with him and paul himmler in fact i think Keith signed uh, was one of the signers of your petition. I think so, which is cool. Yeah, but you know what a sharp guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, the guy is just, and uh, you know, I get to see awesome dude. So, uh, I'm not sure about the beard. I'm hoping that that will be a. It's a COVID thing, right? It's a COVID thing. Yeah, it looks like it kind of a disease sort of. No, it looks like ZZ Top. It's a ZZ Top. It's a a starter set for ZZ Top. top. Yeah, nicely done. I'm not saying a thing. No, that's a very good decision. <laughs> well, you have a very nice beard. Very, very Sean nice. Connery-like. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, I always think that he kind of looks like the... Did you ever see the Christmas show, The Christmas Story, where oh, yeah. young Chris Kringle? Yeah. You could, if, it, if it was a little redder, you'd look like the young Chris Kringle. But there are worse things, so thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's very kind. There is a compliment in there somewhere. somewhere. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> as is tradition with any Masonic meeting... Where the Grand Master, uh, I'm going to try my best to give you the last word. Any final words of wisdom before we uh, move on to bigger and better things? Well, I want to ask you, as any uh, Grand Master should, how much time do I have? Because I could see hours. Oh, you're in charge. Yeah. You're in charge, man. Oh, okay. um, because I've been saying, uh, really since I was put in the position, the two Keep most- in mind that yes, this sir. is going to, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah, it should. This is my podcast. No, it's just, <laughs> this is terrible. No. <laughs> Uh, edit here. Yeah. Cut that out, please. Anyways, I lost my train of thought. Edit that out, too. Edit that out, too. This is going to be published on April 1st. Okay. So we are seven days. We are a week away from the start of our annual communication. So, Well, then I'd like to, to share this message. The advice I was given was the two most important things to remember are to, when you're speaking last, is to be brief and be seated. And I have tried very hard um, to keep those in mind. But I did want to share something that, John, you and I spoke about earlier. One of the tenets of Freemasonry, among many others, is this notion about brotherly love. We have lived through an incredibly uh, difficult time uh, for so many reasons, but organizations like ours have things to bring, this notion, 
It's printed in plain English, so I can share this without running afoul of our custodians. We talk about brotherly love in this fraternity and say that uh, by the exercise of brotherly love, we are taught to regard the whole human species as one family, the high, the low, the rich, the poor, who is created by one almighty parent and inhabitants of the same planet are to aid, support, and protect each other. I've been going around the state talking about that part of, of what we do and saying that it's amazing the organization that you all then have joined, that you're petitioning, bless your heart, and that John and I are, are currently members of. You have joined a group of people who look out at the world and say, I'm going to extend my brotherly love and affection to every human being, regardless of what they think like, regardless of what they vote like, which is charged in this, in this environment, regardless of what they look like, and regardless of what they pray like. And I have been telling every Mason then, after an important rhetorical pause, as the Grand Master of Masons in Minnesota, I'm going to hold you to that. And so should we all. The world will be a better place. We could use some of that right about now. Amen. 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 Well, Most Worshipful, thank you for your time. Thank you, and and I apologize. I'll I'll do better with the microphone next time. Okay, we'll... uh, we'll, Oh, I forgot to hit record. (laughs) 